there are going to start to be some things where the state or the government decides the age and you are still the parent. That's what I want to say about that. That's that's so, reasonable. You could have a 16-year-old that, frankly, is not demonstrating the maturity or responsibility to be ready to drive. That's okay. That's okay for you to delay that. It's equally okay if you see something that you're okay with earlier. Again, this is one where I'd say check your state. So I think this age becomes a lot about your discernment, about your child's responsibility level. What have they demonstrated to you? Like you were just describing a moment ago, Kira, you get to show me and then I'll want to give you the next thing. This is about what they show you in that maturity and responsibility. And then all things being equal, then of course, it's fine to to say, well, this is now legally allowed for you. Welcome to Raising Adults, the groundbreaking parenting podcast that starts with the end in mind. We're your co-hosts, Dina Thayer and Kira Dorian. We created future-focused parenting to take families from surviving to thriving. So join us as we help you stop raising kids and start raising adults. Hello, future-focused parents. Welcome to another episode of Raising Adults podcast. Today, we are going to talk about a wonderful question that you probably have many times in your parenting journey, and if you haven't yet, you will, and that is, how do I know when my child is ready to dot, 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 fill in the blank? When can they stay home alone? When do I let them buckle their own car seat? How do I know they can walk to the mailbox without me? All that. We're going to chat a little bit about that. And also kind of what that represents in parenting, because a few of those kind of happen in the same vortex and around a similar age range. And so we'll talk about that shift and and what that looks like a little bit. So it should be a good one, because I know I've had this question even now with olders, like, are they really old enough to do that? (laughs) So believe me, it's a question that continues to crop up for years and years. How are you, Kira? I'm good. You know what it makes me think of is, I don't know if I've ever shared this on the show before, but I had very overprotective parents. And I remember in college once, my mom called me. I'm in New York City, right? She's here in Seattle. She's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm making spaghetti. And she said, well, you're not home alone, are you? And I said, yeah. And she was like, oh, honey, you should never boil water alone. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like 21. (laughs) And the boiling water was the concern, not alone yeah, appara- in New apparently, York. Like you skipped just, some steps. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm like alone in New York City, but the boiling water was the concern. Apparently, I wasn't quite old enough to boil water alone. Oh and then I can't. Again, I don't know if I've said this, but like I wasn't allowed to plug anything into a socket until I was twelve. Twelve. Wow. <laughs> My parents can could have benefited from this episode. That is next level, Kira. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's cool. It's all good. Totally normal, fully functioning adult right here. (laughs) Yep. I can't wait to hear how you are being far more reasonable. Yeah, I'm trying. (laughs) I'm trying, but it's hard when that was modeled for you, right? It's like, wow, I probably shouldn't let them boil water until they're 21. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. I digress. I'm fine. How are you? I am well, thank you. I'm... I'm warmer today. I've got a sweatshirt on. So I'm learning. I'm learning to deal with fall in the coat closet. And I am in the throes, as I was sharing with you before we hit record, of senior year with my baby. Aww. So I'm well, but I'm a very emotional mama these days. Yeah. It's like, oh no, the last one is just very different. 
very different. Yeah. Gosh, it just never gets easier on your heart being a parent, does it? Nope. Nope. And the last of five. So it's like, you know, we've oh, done yeah. this lots of times. I feel like I should be good at it. But we had a few who did online school. And I think that just looked different. So you weren't going through all the pomp and circumstance and the traditions. And to be fair, it is different with my biological kids. I can totally admit that. But even with Sienna, it was like there was something about, oh, I think, I subconsciously, like I knew that wasn't the end. So yeah. I really savored it and I loved it. I have no regrets about how I handled her senior year, but this feels very different. Yeah, it's your last. It's a big yeah. deal. Well, before we get started, we should let everyone know kind of a reminder of where yeah. we're at in our, are we going to keep going in 2022? So do you want to kind of share thoughts? Because we only have three days until we make this decision. I know. Yeah, we're super near the end. So first of all, thank you to those of you who have already jumped on board and become the new kind of FFP. You know, we call you guys FFPs, the Future Focused Parents. For those of you who have become the new FFP, Future Focused Patron, we thank you. Thanks for those of you who've jumped on. But the time is running out. (laughs) And I think what's really What's really important is we just want to say it means something to us when you do that, because it does show us you value the show. I think that's what it comes down to. We get great emails. We get reviews. We get great feedback. This is like feedback of literally putting your money where your mouth is. Hey, this is valuable to me, and it's worth a latte a month. And so now that we're in the home stretch, we want to encourage those of you who might have been thinking about it and chewing on it. Oh, yeah, I want to do that. Well, now now it's time because we're going to make our decision on Thursday. And we'll release another just teeny bonus episode and let you guys know what you can expect. And of course, no matter what, we're going to go through the end of the year, but we would love to see some awesome last minute flurry of activity there. (laughs) Yeah, it is incredible. Every time I get a little like email ding when someone has joined and it like warms my heart every time that someone. Well, and you have to share like the global oh my impact. Gosh. That's been yeah. so amazing. Yeah, I mean, we've had people sign on from Sweden, from the UK, like, I mean, th- all over the world. And that is the most incredible feeling to think that someone I don't know loves this show enough that they yeah. want to keep it going in 2022 and they're willing to spend that $5 a month to do that. It, it's a phenomenal feeling and it it does really make us feel valued. So truly, truly thank you to all of you who have hopped on board. We literally can't run the show without you anymore. So thank you for being a part of that. And we're just going to cross our fingers and hope we get enough of you by Thursday to be able to keep going into 2022. And if we don't, we'll let you know. And as Dina said, we'll make sure that we keep running um, through the end of 2021. Yeah, it's amazing. There's people all around the world who love raising adults. I think it's so awesome. I also have to tell you, I'm coming to you, yes, emotional, but well-rested. I, ha- I have to say, I was a big fan. I, I, I've i been really honest. I've liked some of my monthly, you know, I'm doing this like monthly resolution thing this year. I've liked some of them. I haven't liked others. I loved September. The being mm. in bed by the same time every night, even if I wasn't asleep, it's revolutionary. So for October, I've decided I'm going to do the same thing on the other end and wake up at a similar time. I'm probably not going to get up as early on the weekends, but I am going to actually set an alarm every day and like have an, have a start the day point because it's been really amazing. So I'll let you know, I might hate the other way, but (laughs) they actually say that's really important to sleep that actually getting up, even on the weekends, getting up at the exact same time actually helps your rhythms or whatever. So yeah, that steady sleep and awake time. There's a lot of 
really encouraging research about the positive benefits of that. I've seen it on the back end, so we'll see what it's like in the morning, but I'm going to well, give it a with, go. And with babies, this is what we suggest, right? Totally. They wake up at the same time and go to sleep at the same time, and it helps the circadian rhythms and all that. So, well, yeah. good luck. I hope that Thank I hope you. that works out. I hope it's as great as September. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I'll hate it. <laughs> All right, we should probably get to the episode now. I feel like this is the longest intro we've ever it's, done. It's the Apologies. worst. What are we doing? We're just chatting. Welcome. Welcome to our coffee hour. Um, okay, <laughs> so let's talk about at what age can your child, should we go chronologically? Sure, because I think some of the little ones, the way you can tell is when they can do it. Right. <laughs> so, I, I mean, one of the first ones I thought of is like, when can they when can they tie their shoes or when can they buckle their own seatbelt? And when you see the skill, you should let them practice yeah. the skill. And I think it gets a little more nuanced as they get older. But what are some other ones that you know of for littles? I just thought of a few. I haven't had littles in a long time. I love that tie their shoes as littles because neither of mine can tie their shoes. <laughs> oh. You know why? Because I didn't let them. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that explains it. I mean, seriously, I had this theory and, and for the most part, it was really accurate. I was like, my whole theory with this milestone stuff was like almost leave it until it's so easy for them that you almost don't have to teach it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Same uh -huh. with like eating with a fork and knife. Like I just waited and waited and waited. And then when I knew it was like, there's no question they're going to know how to do this. It was like, here's how you hold a fork and knife. And ta-da, this backfired dramatically with shoe tying. It worked in <laughs> almost every other <laughs> element of my life. But shoe tying apparently really is a skill <laughs> that you have to teach no matter the age. <laughs> As you learned yourself with riding a bike. <laughs> so, right. I know. mean, exactly. You'd think that I, anyway. Anyway, so yeah, I think, but we could talk about like at what age for parents that are kind of in the, the tinies phase, yeah. like when can you look forward to that happening? <laughs> um, and and so f I, I remember four being a major major milestone age. It was like they could climb into the car themselves. They could put on their own shoes. They could put on their own coats. They can buckle their car seat yep. belts. A lot of that like independent doing really kicked into gear around that age four. Would you agree? Yeah, I was going to I, I would say it's in that. So obviously everybody's so different developmentally, but I really think that four to five range, like I have a nephew's five and buckles his own car seat. My kids learned to tie when they were five. I mean, it's, that is a very normal, like that, that lead up. Why are you chuckling? Oh, the tie. Thing, sorry. The, the lead up to kindergarten. I feel like yeah. if you, if you do a pre-K year, that is a really big year because yeah. there's either they're going to be four turning five, or they might already be five, depending on kind of where they fall. And there's a lot of independence that even comes with that first transition to being away from you for a little bit of the day, even if it's just preschool. Mm -hmm. I think we see a jump in autonomy because they are doing things separate from you, literally, because they're away from you for a few hours. And so I agree, that's a huge age. And so if you maybe still are, if you're homeschooling or if you're not having that chance to see them have that burst of independence because they're away from you. If you've hit this age, you can start watching for it or start trying to gently teach some of those things. You might find that's way easier than you thought. Yeah. Like shoe tying. Do <laughs> or just keep buying Velcro shoes, guys. Parent just fail. Just buy Velcro. <laughs> but at a certain age, like we just bought Reese like proper running shoes because he's a runner and sure. it's his first like real pair. Like we went to the place that like measures your feet and creates a mold and the whole thing. Guess what? They don't have Velcro. Mm. Mm -hmm. 
So <laughs> it's a problem, people. Anyway, sorry, I digress again. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a lot that happens right in that age range. And then the other thing that parents should look out for that's really normal is because they're about to like take this massive leap forward, you might see a major regression right before. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, they can like buckle their car seat and zip up their coat and put on their socks and shoes. And it usually follows like a kind of regression because they panic. They're like, I'm going to take a major leap forward. And mm-hmm. so they just regress that little bit right before they're like, okay, here I go. And they take that leap. Yeah. That I'm really glad you mentioned that because you might see a regression right before, right after, or in other areas. So <laughs> you could see this big, big leap forward in skills and finger dexterity with things like zipping and buttoning, but it's like, whoa, are they two again? Because they cried that there were peas on their plate, you know? So you might see regression about something totally unrelated or a big emotional response to something that's usually no big deal. Their food is touching on the plate or they got tired or they didn't prefer the snack, whatever. So that's a really good point is you might see some fascinating things going on peripherally or before or after. Yeah, totally. All right. Let's talk about the next kind of age that we see major transitions happening and where a lot of those, at what age can my child, right? But in terms of freedoms, and we start to really go, oh, maybe you don't need to be supervised doing that. Oh, you know what we didn't hit, though? At what age can my child be in the bath by themselves? Mm. That's a big one because bath time is scary for parents, I think, for a really long time. So- at what age did you start allowing your kids to be in the bath by themselves? Oh, this is a great question because I don't know that I ever did. Oh, I, they were and, always and part, part of it was I might step away from the room for a second, but it was that was like our family time. I would read to them sitting. Aww. I would sit on the closed lid toilet while they were in the bath. And and the other reason is I is I have a boy and a girl, so actually probably before they were old enough that I would have been really comfortable with them alone came the age when I wouldn't give them a bath together. So then we just kind of transitioned to showers, honestly. Mm. That's interesting. Let's talk about that really quick because lots of families have two multiple kids that maybe are bathing together. Yeah. Um, And I'm willing to bet you and I handled this differently, even though we both have boy girl. Uh So what age did you separate them from the bath? Um, the second one of them was uncomfortable. And what around what age was that? So it was it was actually Sienna who pointed it out that she no longer wanted to take a bath with Mark and she was in grade school, early grade school. I want to say first or second grade. Okay. I don't that's remember so, exactly. It was that's a while ago. so interesting because we handled that the exact same way and mine have yet to ask. Oh. And they're 10. And yeah, I keep sitting here going, like twiddling my thumbs, like at some point, one of them is going to say something, aren't they? Well, it's interesting because what I was going to do is for me, my comfort level would have been if one of them started to go through puberty. Yeah. I so if I saw little like breast buds on Sienna or something, I would have been like, yep, yeah, we're done. Mm-hmm. But that didn't happen first. Mm-hmm. What happened first was her saying, I'd kind of like to have my private time in the in the bathtub, you know. So that that just happened organically for us. But I can say as a parent, it would have been certainly if there was different body development, because I wanted to also, unsurprisingly to anyone who's listening to the podcast, be in charge of those conversations yes. about the changing body and all of that. So that makes a lot of sense to me. I do think, though, that families could look at, well, is maybe that a good benchmark? You know, if you've got 
kids of different genders and there's a comfort level with, hey, right now we all just look like little kids. Well, eventually that's not going to be the case. That could be a, a thing to look for. Discomfort on one or the other kids part could be something to look for. Families who are really nervous around water, like I know there's people who maybe they've actually had a drowning of a friend or a family member. They just purposely switch to showers once they need to be able to step out and things like that so that they're not nervous because we all know it only takes an inch of water literally for there to be a problem sometimes. So I think that's a little bit nuanced, if that makes sense, just because if you have a family history with something, you might make a totally different choice oh, based on completely. your own comfort. And I would say one of the benefits of having them continue to bathe together was that, and I noticed this a lot with having two, was that I had at a certain point, I developed a level of trust that if one was in trouble, the other one was going to yep. shout out. Yep. So I started leaving mine alone in the bath, I think around five was mm-hmm. when I felt like pretty confident. They were swimmers at that point and I felt like it was safe. But I mean, even that I think is... <laughs> Compared to some families, maybe even a little bit late. That's probably young to some people, right? But there again, if you know they're going to have each other's back, and as twins, they are super close. Mm -hmm. Sienna and Mark were close. I'm pretty sure they would have yelled for me if something was up. The the challenge with them is they're like weird in that (laughs) they're weird, but they're not twins, but they're so close in age that it wasn't like I had one who was way more mature and I could really be like, oh, they're the the leader in the bathtub. You know, it wasn't like that. Like they're 17 (laughs) months apart. So they're like... Yeah. yeah, they're pretty much still at a similar stage developmentally. So I had to kind of watch for that. But yeah. that's a good one. The all right. All right. The bath is a good one. So let's move on to the this kind of weird, pivotal, tweeny age that I'm in, which is interesting. Yeah. Because <laughs> there Delightful. is this major shift, like 9, 10, 11, right? Right in there. Yeah. And so at what age can you leave your child alone in a car? At what age can you leave your child home alone for a short period of time? Um, let's talk about let's talk about those. Oh my goodness, FFPs, I'm so excited that we get to talk to you about the Cozy app today because when Cozy approached us, I told Dina, I can't believe this. I already use the Cozy app and I love it. So the fact that we are getting an opportunity to tell you guys about it is so cool. Yeah, pretty serendipitous. So you FFPs, if you're starting to finally feel busy again, your calendar's filling up, you've got more events and kids' activities than all of the entire last year combined, why not do your future self a favor and get Cozy? Yeah, Cozy is the number one organizing app that families use to juggle all the things, the schedules, the practices, the doctor's appointments, all the things. And it was named a must-have app for a better life by the Today Show, which does not surprise me because we use it all the time. And you can set it up so everyone knows who is doing what, when, and where. Cozy will even send you emails every morning with the day's agenda, so there'll be no more missed pickups or double bookings. Yeah, so here's how it works. Cozy actually tracks everyone's schedules and events in one place with a shared color-coded calendar, which is really cool. And then it reminds everybody about those events so that you don't have to. And it's super easy to get started. You can even pull in events from your family's personal work and school calendars. And the best part, it's my favorite price, free. (laughs) All you have to do is download Cozy Family Organizer from the App Store. That's C-O-Z-I to get the free app today. Yeah, it's awesome. It helps with all these other things too. Like Dave and I, you can share lists. So he has like a honeydew list and I can put things on the list. We have a shared shopping list. So when we run out of things, he can put it on the shopping list. If I find a recipe online that I love, I can just hit like 
the button that allows all the ingredients to go into my shopping list on Cozy. It is so convenient. It helps with organizing your whole life. And remember, it's all free. Just download Cozy from your app store. That's C-O-Z-I, and you can get started today. I love these ones because they are more about what skills you're seeing that make that situation okay, rather than before it's very concrete, right? When they can buckle their car seat, maybe they should. This is more like, hey, when can you be alone in the car? Well, it's when you know what to do if somebody grabs you, right? Am I going to for sure hear you scream? And are you going to raise a ruckus? And I mean, it's, it's about other skills. So for my kids... We did, we didn't do alone in the car until we talked through what would happen if, you know, somebody approached the vehicle or if somebody talked to you or if somebody snatched you and kind of like you talked through with the code word and the, the, all the things that for picking up from school, we set up the skills to be able to do that first. And it was the same thing with home alone. I started leaving my kids home alone for very short errands at nine, but it's because we had first taught them their phone number, their address. They knew not to answer the door if I wasn't home and not to answer the phone if I wasn't home. I mean, it was all these other things. So I think some of this is, again, it's going to be individual as far as comfort level goes. And I want to honor that. But I think where you can say this, the skill is available is it's less about age as you get into these ranges and more about what do they know and what have they demonstrated. Yeah, that responsibility piece. Like, is there trust between you that they're going to follow the rules that you've set down to Absolutely. leave them alone or, or whatever? And this is where you're big. You're so big on rehearsing. I think this is a great place where that comes in because it's you can try things like knocking on the door and have them practice ignoring you and have them recite their address and recite their phone number. And if you do a really short errand, say you just walk to the mailbox and back, they're getting to kind of practice being home alone, but really you're only down the block. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of, of room here for that rehearsal to take center stage, so to speak, and become the rehearsal leads up to what's actually happening, but you can rehearse by short versions of the real thing. Yeah. And do check every state has different laws around this, like when you legally can leave them alone, when you legally can leave them in a car. So do make sure that you're also checking your your state guidelines around this. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think we, we've definitely done the rehearsing piece. And we've also kind of talked about what a privilege that is and how mm. when you show me that you can do this well, it builds trust and it makes me ready to give you the next freedom and the next freedom. And that has really been beneficial for our kids. And we actually just got our kids phones for this particular reason. I've been anti-phone for forever and ever. Amen. And then remember we interviewed Bill Brady from True Me Wireless and he and I actually ended up chatting and they were beta testing their phones. So we hopped on the beta test um, to give the kids phones so that they could go for a walk around the block without us and take their phones with them. So they'd have something in an emergency or we could, you know, pop next door to chat with the neighbors and they would have a phone in case anything happened. Um, and by the way, Trumi's awesome. I highly recommend it. Those phones are really cool, but that's been really huge for them. But this age, let's talk about this age really quick because I know we don't have a ton of time left and I want to make sure we get to the olders, but this age has also been a crazy pivot for us around connecting with our kids because it used to be I could connect by like reading a story. Who wants to read a story, right? Who wants to play a game? Who wants to go for a walk? I mean, they're just so happy to spend time with you when they're tiny. You know, you could be like, who wants to pick their nose together? And they'd be thrilled. Um, But now it's 
shifting big time. And I find that like I'm having to reevaluate how we connect and find these different ways of doing that and be way more intentional about it because no one wants to read a story anymore, which is yeah. like so sad. Super sad. Yeah. <clears throat> and I mean, we're still figuring this out, so I'm sure you have thoughts. But the the thing that has been the most beneficial thus far has actually been working out together. Dave and Reese go for runs. Rhea and I hop on our equipment together and put on music and chat. And she loves to go for a drive as well. So that's another way she and I have found to connect. And she's just starting to enjoy shopping. Um, so there's been a little bit of like, let's go for lunch and shopping. But it feels like to connect other than working out, it's like we have to leave the house and it costs money. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's been really complicated. Part. That is the hard part. Leaving the home. I feel like you spend money just by leaving. You know, mm -hmm. that's just the re reality. But I love what you just said about the working out, because the main thing I was going to suggest is if you can find something that you both like to do that creates parallel space, that is really important. And so what I mean by parallel space, for those of you who haven't heard that before, is that you aren't sitting and staring intently at each other. And this is especially, I think, important for young men. Uh, they, it, it just is. I, I hate to put that out there, but there are just some things that are still true. And that is one of them. It, it is really nice. If you're both busy doing something, but you're maybe side by side, it just kind of opens that window and takes down the wall of awkwardness and you can talk. So finding those shared interests is really big. Now, I want to say that is not always as easy as what you have found. I mean, that's great that your kids both like to exercise and that's something you can kind of do side by side. It's not always that easy. So some families might have to get creative. And interestingly, in our household, sometimes our getting creative meant going almost what felt like backwards. So here's an example. I know with olders, it might seem funny, but for us, games are a big one. So we still will sometimes just have a game night. And that's because it's a shared activity. We're having fun. We're not focused on anything big and intense. And yes, we're playing, which again, might seem like a step backwards, but a lot of games are really great for your mind too. And they get you laughing and laughter is so good for your body. So I just think as creative as you might have to get, if you can find something you all enjoy, or even if it's, hey, with this child, we really enjoy this together, then that gives you that special one-on-one -on -one time. And then with this one, we do this. That That's actually the key right there. I mean, you said it. And I agree, if you can find some of those that don't require eating out, going to a venue to spend money, great. Now, is that fine once in a while? Of course it is. Like mm -hmm. Sometimes it might be, let's go get ice cream because you just need to hang out with them because they are going to start to move from that Im imaginary play to the more concrete stuff. And they're going to care more about their friends than you sometimes. And that's just hard. So it might mean that sometimes there is a, hey, let's go get a treat. Let's go yep. do this. That, that's going to be part we've, of it. We've definitely done that. Like, hey, who wants to go for dinner? Let's go, you know, just to yeah. grab them. And then the other thing we've done that I felt kind of like, was a weird choice to make, but also ultimately was a good choice. You know, our kids get very limited screen time and video game time, but sometimes it's nice to just play a video game as a family. I don't love video mm. games, but they do. And so showing up for that has actually sometimes been a really nice way to connect. And yes, it's a little more screen time, but I'm doing something they love to do and they're seeing me be a part of that. Mm -hmm. And that's been helpful too. Yep. I, we're, we're the same way because I have 
with each of my kids, there's one show that we enjoy that none of the rest of the family does. Mm. And so that's like our thing. And so we DVR it and we wait till we're together to watch it. Oh. And with Sienna, that might mean I DVR a bunch of them and we binge when she gets home. Right. <laughs> but I love it's our that. thing, right? Yep. So it's it's just, it's kind of special. And, you know, having come from the birth world, it's really sweet to me that she loves Call the Midwife with me. So, oh. you know, it's special. Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about this on the We Do It episode, but like this really is such a, a an interesting time of pivoting and letting go and, you yeah. know, all those things and, and inc- really increased freedom for our kids. All right, let's move up. Let's move chronologically. Move up. Up. I don't have much I want to say about this except this. <laughs> that there are going to start to be some things where the state or the government decides the age. And you are still the parent. That's what I want to say about that. That's that's reasonable. You could have a 16-year-old that, frankly, is not demonstrating the maturity or responsibility to be ready to drive. That's okay. That's okay for you to delay that. It's equally okay if you see something that you're okay with earlier. Again, this is one where I'd say check your state. But, for example, in Washington State, if you're with a parent that allows it, your child can have alcohol at home. If that's something that's comfortable to you and you would maybe rather introduce it to them that way than when they're off in college and maybe making a decision that isn't your favorite, you might choose to do that. So I think this age becomes a lot about your discernment, about your child's responsibility level. What have they demonstrated to you? Like you were just describing a moment ago, Kira, you get to show me and then I'll want to give you the next thing. This is about what they show you in that maturity and responsibility and then all things being equal, then of course, it's fine to to say, well, this is now legally allowed for you. But I think it we have to remember that we don't abdicate our parental role just because an age comes up that something is allowed and that that's okay to say, you know, that's going to be exciting, but you're not quite ready for that. That is okay. And equally, we get really happy in our house when our kids turn 18, we hop online and help them register to vote. We think that's a really special privilege to exercise that right. And so they know that's a thing. The other big thing we do is at 18, we take them to the bank and we get us off their bank accounts. If they've shown responsibility in how they've used their money while we were a signer on the account. So that's a fun one to get to look forward to. But again, show me you're ready. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, yeah. That's that's really important. That discernment piece is really important. I'm curious amongst your peers or your kids' peers' parents, so the mm-hmm. people you parent alongside, um, what have you seen around dating age age ranges? Such a – I've seen such a range. I've seen parents who do this by an age, like a chronological age. I've seen parents who just when it happens – they cope with it and like, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And when it happens, they deal with it in the way that works for their family values. I've seen families who go more toward kind of a, which I think is really high pressure, by the way, but more of like a courting model mm-hmm. where it's very serious almost from the start. Like you don't even date unless you're headed down the line, you know, unless you're headed wow. toward something serious. I just think that's a lot of pressure, but I know there's families who really don't like the idea of kind of hopping around Mm -hmm. boyfriend to boyfriend, girlfriend to girlfriend, which I get. I get it. So I've seen a lot of difference for me. Again, this one for me is not about an age. Mm -hmm. And so what we did is when there was an interest in someone, we dealt with it as it happened. And with some parameters, though, what I love is 
if your child isn't old enough to drive, you're already the chauffeur for the little (laughs) cute little eighth grade date. So you get to have the parental involvement. So I actually think it's okay to say, why would we forbid that? It's going to let us be in on it already just because we have to drive them. (laughs) And so we always start with when our kids are in our home. Of course, once they move out, this isn't feasible, but we always start with a double date actually. So Scott and I take them and their special friend and we go out to eat and get to know them a little bit. And the first time it happened, I remember the the poor person was probably super intimidated (laughs) because they were just young. But for us, it's worked really well because we're already part of the process. And again, this is a lot based on maturity. I also always like to really, if, if it's feasible and if the child's still at home, I really like to chat with the other set of parents or parent. If it's a single parent, we've had that one too, just to make sure we're on the same page or at least to let them know, here's what we're going to be expecting of our son, of our daughter. Here's what we hope to see from your child. What kind of things can we do to respect the rules in your house? Mm -hmm. That can be really nice just to get on the same page because kids can kind of get off to the races with this where they're like, well, we'll just figure it out. Mm -hmm. And really until they're out from under your home or have demonstrated the commensurate responsibility and maturity, it's actually good for parents to have some oversight into what goes on here because it's it's a landmine and opens up kind of all kinds of other discussions and other things that can crop up. Mm-hmm. So I love that. I love that some things were provided for me, yes. like being the chauffeur. <laughs> okay, last one before we finish. What let's okay. talk let's talk devices. Computer, mm-hmm. phone, right? Like all these little things that we carry around in our lives. Um, at what age, like I mentioned, my kids just got phones, but yeah. purely for the purpose of being able to be alone or out of my sight safely. Reese got a computer for his 10th birthday because he's an a, like just voracious writer. Um, and he was using my computer all the time to write. And so it was like, it's time for you to have yeah. your own computer. What about in your house? What did that look like? Yep. Our kids get their own computers in high school because then they really start to need them for homework. And we just oversee internet usage before that, which I've already talked about. We do the contract and they slowly get more and more or less and less restrictions on their contract at each birthday. Phones, I think here again, this is a practice thing. Like, are they able to be responsible when they're alone for a little bit? Are they able to be responsible with their other belongings? Because also a phone is way different investment if it gets broken or things like that. Are they careful with their things? Are they showing you that they can be trusted? So it's going to be a lot of that. And then you can monitor it with creating a contract with you, and which you and I both advocate and have done. Make sure they're agreeing to the do's and don'ts of whatever the device is. And then I think the other thing would just be time. And we obviously from season one have suggested limits on screen time. And that's something you can even start when they're young. So for me, devices, I would have probably waited longer, but we're a two household family. So I wasn't the one who bought the first phones. And so instead we just hopped on with, okay, but in our house, here's how we use those phones and here's the contract. Yeah, we definitely did the contract. Thank you for your help with that because I reached out to you. I was like, what should go on my contract? And it was great talking them through because we went point by point. And then I would ask them like, why do you think this is part of the contract? Why do you think Mm. this is specifically like one of the things on there is you will answer when I call you. And if you miss the call, you'll call me right back. And so 
I explained like, what do you, why do you think I have this on here? Because I didn't want them to think it's because like, I want to keep tabs on you. It, and they both said, because you'll worry if you can't reach us. And I was like, yes, that's, right. that's exactly right. Um, so that was really helpful to kind of go through and, and talk about. And talk about the why. Look at that. Kim. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that. Okay. Well, hope that was helpful, everyone. <laughs> I think we covered some things. Yeah. It's a question you're going to you're going to come up against and sometimes you get to let your kids show you what they're ready for and sometimes you're going to do some teaching and rehearsing toward it. That's kind of the bottom principle. <laughs> well, thank you all for being here and again, we just want to remind you you've got 3 days left. We're going to decide on Thursday what's going on with the direction of our show, so we encourage you to become a future focused patron at just $5 a month. You can do that and the two places you can do that are patreon.com/ffp or on our website, futurefocusedparenting.com slash membership. We would be honored to have you join us and show us that you're enjoying this content and finding it valuable. And we look forward to being back with you next time. Thanks so much for being with us today. In the meantime, you can also follow us. We are on both Facebook and Instagram at Future Focused Parenting. And check us out on your favorite podcast app or platform. We appreciate all of you who follow and download faithfully week after week. That means a lot to us as well. Have a wonderful week. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Tina Thayer and recorded partially in Kira's laundry room, partially in my coat closet. Editing by the incredible Allison Preisinger. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening.